GM, GM, just a second, y'all. Let me get this set up. Apologize for being 10 minutes late. I did not realize in my head, I completely thought I set this up at 12.15 Eastern time. So I apologize. <laughs> I did not need to set this up 10 minutes late. Like, I don't know, like, what the world I was thinking putting 12.05, because 12.05 is such a random time. Um, but anyway, we're up and running. On what I thought was the time that I set up. It's good to see y'all again for the 79th consecutive week. Um, I'm going to get things up and running with a tweet here in a second. Mr. Rooster, how is it going, sir? How are you doing on this beautiful Friday? Uh, Jim, Jim, doing well. Thanks for holding off until I got back with my breakfast bagel. Oh, that's perfect timing, man. That's, That's all I was waiting for. Oh, yeah, I know. I know, I know. Um, yeah, another beautiful Friday. It's, I mean, not so beautiful. It's pretty gloomy outside right now. Is uh, it? Yeah, it's cloudy. You know, it's one of the 10 cloudy days we get in Denver every year. Dude, I saw that there was a tornado, an F1 tornado over Pikes Peak. Honestly, I have no idea. I don't watch the news, bro. I That's get all my crazy, news. crazy, though. I've never seen a mountain tornado before, though. Don't we get all of our news from Frentech, bro? Dude, I, th- I actually got that news, believe it or not. I, uh, I downloaded TikTok the other day because I wanted to try to see, like, can I find any good viral videos to basically be able to steal and put on here? Um, and so far, I have not found a lot, but I did come across that. Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't have TikTok. My girl uses it. Um, I, I stick to X.com. Um, okay. Scandalous <laughs> in Reddit in Reddit. Uh, but All no, right. it, it's been a good, a good, good week. Caught some, some dubs this week, helped drive that knife into Pepe on a short yesterday. So you'd love to hear it. Happy yeah, which it's kind of wild how all that went down, man. Like, you know how it is all going. It doesn't look like it's something. The more I'm looking into it, I don't think it's going to be a complete death nail for Pepe, but it, it, dude, it definitely, it hurts, right? It's not like they controlled 50% of the supply and, you know, but like, you know, a few percentage at these levels is still a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, like what's, what's the narrative now? Why, why would you buy Pepe? Well, it it just, it, it kind of taints the narrative completely, right? Because in your head, you're like, well, buying, selling, trading, doing anything at this point supports people that are just scumbags. So I don't care at all whether or not there is, you know, I love the meme. I love everything else about it, right? But like, I don't want to support, <laughs> I don't want to support scum. Like, it's that simple, right? If that is somebody's mentality and their approach, with the project and they're at the helm of it, you know, it's not a Matt Fury project. And, you know, that was a big contentious point for a long time there at the beginning. I actually thought it was cool though, how they finally rallied around to pay Matt Fury. Um, and, you know, I thought that was a really positive development going forward. But the fact is right. Like the founder of, you know, the creator of Pepe, I should say, is it involved and the rest of the people who really are, you know, it's coming to light that they're not good people. So it's that simple. Just scam artists. Literally. Just, just 
scam artists, which I mean, honestly, is 80% of the space right now anyways. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't see a narrative. Um, I hold no Pepe. Uh, the only positions I will open will probably be shorts. Um, I will, I will profit on the downfall and I will apologize to absolutely nobody. But dude, it's just so lazy what they're doing right now, because here's my opinion. They're capitulating at the bottom, right? They're scammers who are capitulating at the bottom of the market who legitimately had a chance. I fully, fully believe, had they not touched anything, that this could have grown into a $10 billion project, right? And, like, they just got lazy and greedy at the very, very bottom. And they're like, we're going to... It just doesn't make sense to me, man, how dumb some people are, right? You've already made millions off of this. What is it that is incentivizing you at this point to, you know, just go ahead, finish it off, squeeze out a few more million? Like, you've got enough to be able to tide over whatever this bear market is. Just chill. You know, if you're going to scam people, at least do it for billions, not millions. Bro, it's like uh, it's like the old boat saying, you know, the best time to rugs a project is the day you deploy the second best time is today i haven't heard that but that's kind of funny no i made it up uh because yesterday in the abashos they were talking about like boats and stuff and someone was like you know the they say the two best days in boat life are the day you buy the boat and the day you sell the boat I was like, oh, that sounds eerily similar to... Uh, well, no, I, I, I have heard that from the boat perspective. No, yeah, I, I made it up yesterday. I made it up 100%. I love it, man. Crow, what's going on, man? What's good? You. Not too much, man. Just want to say hi to my wonky fam. What's good, what's good with you, man? How are you? Doing really well, man. I've honestly missed your posture checks. You know, because I've, I've sat here on point, every single one of these, ready for you. And it's been a minute since since we've heard them. Well, I love that, man. It means it's doing its job. Just the threat of the posture check is keeping the posture in check. So I, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, the crowd definitely could use it as well. I know, like, this is a posture check for everybody in the crowd. Throw up that emoji if you just got caught right now slouching on the job i want to i want to see some type of emoji thrown up in the air i caught you red-handed and it's okay it's all crow's fault you can thank him for it and you're welcome i literally just sat up straighter in my seat (laughs) there we go timmy okay we got we got douglas we got a couple people that are actually honest good people in the crowd the other at least 30 percent of you and 30 percent is being generous are just liars laughing right now and it's okay um, Bro, I look like a gremlin hunched over eating my bagel right now. So, you know, still haven't eaten. Uh, still have not eaten anything today so far. My dude, my food's I, like I honestly probably should make a sandwich right now as we're doing this. It's probably not a bad idea. So I have a question, Kaleo. Because so we seen uh, back when Pepe dropped a few months back. We saw NFTs being jeeted off a cliff. You know, a lot of the Pepe holders were NFT maxis. 
But now that Pepe was fucking jeeting itself off a cliff yesterday, we saw a lot of projects catching 10, 20% bids. Do you think that's correlated? I mean, potentially, yes. And I only say that because thinking about it, right, there are a decent amount of Pepe holders, Pepe whales, that have NFT backgrounds. Pepe was kind of their first step dipping their toes in the water for something different. So if those DGENs are true DGENs and they're looking to stay invested, you know, there is a potential chance some of the people that had moved over and liquidated some of their projects so that they could have a liquid stake in Pepe ended up saying, okay, I'm done with that and decided why not go ahead and buy the blood back into these NFT projects that in their mind, they were never done with in the first place, right? In their mind, it was just kind of a loan. They were just selling it for a short period of time so that they could ride a different roller coaster. Um, and yeah, you know, I definitely think there's got to be some level of correlation there. That's probably why it's a lower volume move, though. You know, I don't think it's this huge amount of people. And I think right now, the thing that a lot of people that's deceptive about the NFT market in general you know, some of these floor prices are pretty low, but they're really thin, right? So it doesn't take much volume to move projects at this point. And, you know, hey, maybe it really is something where it kind of helps create the bottom that we've been looking for. And, you know, again, I don't think it's one of those things where it's going to be this heavy, massive wick back up type of thing, right? You know, candle back up, I should say. I think it's going to be, you know, if this is something that is part of it, Maybe it just helps start round, you know, rounding upward, right? You know, so I I could see that. Yeah, also what I seen this morning too, apparently uh Uniswap's volume flipped Coinbase today. Which I'm not sure no. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's ever happened before. Dude, that's wild. I, I have not seen that. Um but it's not surprising, honestly, man, like it's like the better decentralized exchanges have become, the more seamless they have, as well as the more cumbersome it's become to enter into a centralized environment. And also like do just a lot of the ad- advantages that are on the DEXs right now from having this basically virtual casino that's out there. It's incentivized a lot of volume to head that direction versus, you know, like a lot of Coinbase's volume comes from normies. And right now there are not a lot of normies that are just trying to rush into the crypto game yet. Yeah. I feel like most participants right now are almost like gun to the head participants. They saw now they'll lose everything, right? Or, um, but yeah, no, a lot of people that are left, I see it still trying to gamble on shit coins. Not really any new, not much NFT gambling except for looks rare wheel, right? I don't know if you heard about that. You can essentially deposit NFTs or ETH into a pool for like a percent chance to win the entire pool. So they're basically trying to... The CSGO. The CSGO wheel is essentially what it is. 
here, no, here, here's what I'm hearing, though, man. This is basically a pivot where they see the success that Rollbit has had, and they're like, we're not working out well as just purely an NFT exchange. Um, we have to pivot to survive. Yeah, I mean, I don't think many people are doing well as NFT exchanges right now either. But yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty interesting move from looks. That's like the most attention they've gotten since one week after the airdrop. So uh, I don't think it will do much, though. I think they'll pretty still be pretty obsolete. No, it is interesting, though. Um, yeah, you know, like, here's my deal, right? I, I, I really, I think that they're, it, it feels like right now we're just in this stage where there's a little bit of development coming out. And there are some fun things that are popping up occasionally. But the market is just so flat that I like, I don't know, man. I, I haven't seen Twitter this dead in a minute, personally. I haven't seen a lot of things this and, and you know, as I'm saying all this, I want to clarify. It actually, like, I'm being dead serious as I say this. It makes me bullish, man. It, like, it really does make me bullish. These are the signs that you look for for a bottom when everything is just completely dead, desolate, barren. There's not much going on. People are tinkering with things just to try to, like, squeeze whatever engagement they can left, you know, out of the market participants that are still there. It, it just, you know, this is part of it. And, I am completely, completely fine with the fact that we're here. It's one of those things. You just have to have a zoomed out, higher time frame point of view with your approach. Bro, yeah, literally. Solana partnered with Shopify to incorporate seamless, like, quick, cheap crypto transactions, right? They announced this yesterday. Something like that. If that was announced during the bull, that would teleport Solana like fucking 60 to 100%. Yeah. It didn't do fucking shit. In fact, I think they might have even dropped a couple percent yesterday. Oh, exactly, man. Like, that is a perfect example, Rooster, of where we are. You know, we're in the trenches right now. And honestly, I, I really do mean this when I say it. The people that are here right now, it's not a guarantee that you're going to make it on the other side. But you have a good chance, right? Like you're going to have opportunity that other people that wait for things to completely tick up and for them to get fun again will not have. So, you know, and that's the advantage of having the conviction and sticking around, right? Not doing anything too crazy is that you have kind of that pole position that, you know, hey, others might have the ability to pass you up. You've got to make mistakes to be able to let that happen. So yeah, you know, like, but the Solana Shopify thing, perfect, perfect example. Yeah. One thing that I need to get better at before the, this next bull tick is holding my trades. I, I don't like to be in a trade for like over an hour. And that's like, so I, you know, I, I end up closing out pretty quickly. Um, and I'd caught like the very first wick on, on Pepe as soon as that news came out. And I opened a short, you know, I made, I, I was going into work, had to wage cuck and I didn't want a leverage position open. So I put 
a stop loss at like 50% profit. And then um, it just, it, it tapped it. And I was like, oh, you got to be shitting me. Um, and yeah, my, my trade would have been like 400x or not 400x, um, but probably 4x, 400% by the time I got home from that. And I was like, God, that's, that, that's, I know I'm going to fumble. I sell way too early on things. Um, and that's one thing I need to be able to do is, you know, catch my forever long here within the next few months or whatever. And then somehow just ride that up to the top. But I'm so impatient when it comes to trading. I need to get a lot better at that. I respect one though, to be able to set it and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to step away from the screen, set this at a point where I guarantee myself X amount of profit and just walk away. I, I see no problem with that, man. I think a lot more people need to have that type of mentality. It just is one of those things that it sucks because it always happens to where the one play that you have that discipline with <laughs> is the one that ends up just running. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I don't know what I need to change to get better at that, but like, you know, even – I'll be a hundred percent in the profit, right? And then my trade will be continued going in the right direction. And I just, I'll pull out. I'm like a hundred percent is good. Even though it'll run for another five to 10 X. Um, if I just would have held it, I'm like, I'm going to take my money and run. Um, and you know, it's a good strategy. And then, you know, overall in the, in the long term. but you know, if you're trying to catch those fucking 10 K to, you know, hundred K trades or 10 K to almost a million trades right it's gonna take a lot more patience and a a lot more diamond of hands yeah you know but the thing is i i think there's a complete difference you're you're rarely gonna nail that type of trade on a high leverage move on a centralized exchange right that's the big difference from what you're talking about for nailing these 100x type trades you know, in a bull market, maybe, right? Like, you know, but in a bear market, you've got to be more nimble, especially if you're doing that type of stuff on a centralized exchange with high leverage. You know, you don't usually get the opportunity. You might be 200% in profit. And, you know, 10 minutes later, you feel content about it. You check back and you're liquidated if you got too content, right? So... <laughs> You know, you have to have the type of discipline to be able to set up those stops and to be able to move forward with it. I think the difference, you know, a lot of the on-chain stuff is honestly where a lot of those opportunities really lie is getting on something early, like what happened with Pepe and being able to ride that out. You know, like a lot of the NFT plays that we've seen happen, um, just the patience that people had there at the very beginning. You know, you can look at like what apes, did and their trajectory it didn't happen overnight right like it took months of it just slowly grinding up to really get to the point where things happen and right now we're at the point where the market's been down for a while and we've been sidewinding but i really do think there are going to be some of those opportunities that arise from you know i don't want to say the ashes but like you know dormant volcano type thing waiting to explode for this next bull market yeah i mean the same issue is spilt over to me and nfts as well like you know i thought i made a fucking you know 
decent trade when I swept 20 Pepin at 0.01 and then sold him at 0.1. I was like, oh, shit, look at that 10x. No, now I'm just seething in cope right now. Dude, I remember I, I remember sitting there. I nearly swept like a couple hundred Opepin back at like 0.01, 0.02. No, I think it was like 0.02 back earlier this year because people were talking about it. But then I just thought it was such a, you know, it just didn't make sense to me. Bro, yeah, between the Abashos. I would have done the exact same thing. I would have traded it maybe to like 0.1 been super content and completely exited so i don't have that much you know <laughs> regret about it because i know i would have done the exact same thing with the. Fun. you know what's funny about the psychology too is like this hurts worse than if i were to just be completely rugged on the point two ETH. i've deleted point two ETH and like you know i mean i'm sure everybody here has in fractions of a second right and it does not feel near as bad as selling a 75x too early like even even though you know i made out with almost two ETH and profits on that like you know cool good trade whatever i'm seething and coped that you know they you know reached all the way up to one ETH at one point in time and yeah it, it hurts worse than if opepin would have just went to zero and i would have just been stuck with a bag of pixelated peeps Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, though, that's part of the, the war stripes of just being here for this long is having those type of stories, right? Um, so we've got a few people up on stage who have not had the chance to speak. Let's start with Pickcock. Pickcock, what's going on, man? Bro, it's been a while since I've uh, I've been up here. How are you guys doing? All right? Can't complain, sir. Yeah, man, I lost my wallet, so I'm at the bank right now trying to get a new debit card, which kind of sucks. Got to go get a new license tomorrow. I was kind of thinking about, like, Lander talking about that a couple weeks ago. Dude, you know the, the funny thing is, real quick, as soon as you said that, my heart jumped, and I felt terrible for you because I thought you meant your digital wallet. Oh, no, no, thank <laughs> you, dude, no, no, no. But I, I'm literally like and sitting I in the bank. I so much worse for you than you losing your physical wallet. Oh yeah, no, not never that, man. I'm, but I am sitting in the bank, just playing this fucking stonk space out loud because I don't have any headphones with me. So I think that's a little funny. Oh, but uh, yeah, dude, I've been just like traveling a little bit. I don't know if I even got to talk to you guys. You know, I met up with the '80s down in Tampa, and it was awesome. We grabbed some breakfast, hooked up, talked for a while. Really good conversation. We didn't even really talk about crypto, which honestly was like my favorite part about it. But he's a great guy, man, so stocks forever. Wait, where'd you meet up in Tampa? Uh, we went to, like, some Cuban place uh, that he – some place for breakfast down there. So I don't know. I was supposed place to meet right up. off, like, not the Riverwalk. I forget what it's yeah, called. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. I was staying at that Riverwalk, actually, for a wedding. Man, it's, like, pretty near, like, this area where they used to make a lot of cigars, like a little old Cuba type of place. And I was supposed to meet up with uh, Stud Muffin, too, dude, but he was so hungover that he wasn't feeling good for breakfast, which which was kind of sad, but I understand, because I was kind of in the same shape. <laughs> I didn't know that Stud Muffin was a Tampa guy. He is not. He actually, like, just went down there for uh, a concert, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, that makes sense, then. I feel better. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, man, everything's uh, chilling with me. Market dipping a little bit kind of sucks, but... It's not a big deal, you know, just stacking cash and chilling. 
Love to hear it, man. Um, let's see who else. We got Frederick up on stage as well. Frederick, I don't think I've ever had the chance to hear you speak. And if I have and I'm wrong, I apologize. But feel free to introduce yourself. No What's problem. What's up, guys? I've I, uh, been around. Don't talk a lot. Just kind of lurk. But, uh, yeah, I'm a longtime Bitcoin holder. Um, also mined a couple of um, – or, you know – of your wonky stocks. So love mint it. Mint it. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Um, also I'm a funk and, uh, yeah, never bought into the Pepe. I've been rugged too many times. Um, love listening. Well, welcome up to the stage, sir. So what was it that inspired you to hop up here with us today? I appreciate you. Yeah, I just wanted to introduce myself. You know, I'm not, not big on, you know, public speaking, but, uh, you know, just like to let everybody know that I'm not just a, just a bot. Sometimes I, you know, don't listen a lot or I don't talk a lot. So people probably think I'm some random bot, but, you know, like to... Well, you know what one of the greatest realizations that you can have in this space, though, is, you know, you said you're not a big public speaker, is kind of disassociating the fact that the people that are all in the audience right now are real people. Like, I see the PFPs in there, and I'm sure you're real people, right? Like, you know, each and every one of you, you're not, maybe there are a couple bots, but it's not, like, I don't picture myself as standing up on front of a stage sitting next to Rooster <laughs> with mics in our hands and people just sitting over there in the audience, which maybe it's like that. I just picture it as Rooster and I having a conversation up here and yeah. occasionally somebody else walking in the room and talking, too. So I see it as something where it's not really a public forum, even though it is. It doesn't well, also, like in it. the depths of the bear, I mean, it's not really public at all at this point. Right. It's more like <laughs> private room speaking. <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel more comfortable talking just because I know it's the people that really care. That's the time to do yeah, it. Man, I, That's the time to do it. I've man. been around since 2011. Used to mine Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin. Still have a Litecoin machine. Um, sold a Bitcoin for $500. Uh, That's my claim to fame when I tell people. Um, you know, luckily didn't sell all of my stack, but you know, it's just one of those things you, you go through all those times you learn that I think the game is really, um, even with Pepe, uh, everything's trying to steal your Bitcoin, your ETH, your, some of those main layer ones you don't, you don't want to get rid of. Okay. So Frederick, you know, you're a perfect example of, what we were talking about a little bit ago, what have you learned as far as what Rooster was talking about, as far as the opportunity that he said he always just fumbles the bag when it comes to these generational wealth type of hodls? You said you sold a little bit of your Bitcoin at 500 bucks. Yep. You know, what was it that caused you to sell it there? And what was your mindset in holding on to whatever you didn't sell? Yeah, I mean, I think even at the time, I realized, and it was, it was, it's always been kind of like I, I was a little strapped for cash. I needed, I needed the cash, uh, and it's always been the sell of last resort for me. That's kind of the way I look at it. 
so back then it wasn't one of those things where you're like, yeah, you know, I don't know the market's dipped some, or, you know, it's up pretty high. I want to just exit while I can. It was more of a necessity type of thing. It, maybe, but it was just like, yeah, I, I was losing touch with the, I, I had stopped mining at the time and I was like, yeah, well, I could pay off the credit card real quick. Okay. Yeah. You know, and it's, I, I make, you know, I, I use that as an example because I tell people it kind of like drops people's jaws sometimes. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's that easy. Just like Rooster was saying, it's, you can't sit, you gotta, you gotta move on from your, whatever it's a trade or a sell and, and, you know. That was my question was, you know, the, the difference in thought process, you know, kind of similar to Kaleo's. You know, what made you want to sell at 500 and, you know, did you sell any at like in the 60s? And if not, why not? Yeah, actually, I did sell some right at 60 and I didn't hit the top. Um, just because I started having that feeling because this was the second time, you know, I've been through two cycles. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, I didn't sell enough. I think that was... <laughs> Um, at the time I'm saying that now, but I do think long-term, you know, I'm kind of a believer in the, um, stock to flow model the second one. That's kind of what, you know, at least I think Bitcoin's long-term, you know, I think everybody agrees. Most people here at least agree that, you know. So Frederick, what you're telling us is a a million per Bitcoin is guaranteed then it's in the white paper. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Frederick, I'm just letting you know, by signing up for this space, you consented to giving financial advice. And we actually have your docs. So all of this will be tied back to you in a court of law. Um, if something doesn't happen that you say might happen. Oh, dear. Yeah, Gary. Yeah, no. Gary's in the audience right now. I'm sure he is. No, I'm just... Dude, if that was the case, well, I mean... No, 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 Man, I'm I kidding. No, I, 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 I'd say easy. I mean, it's it's just easy for me to imagine 250K in the next, by 2030. That's, I think that's real easy for me to, uh, to see. And that's just conservative, I think, you know. Well, everybody, you heard it here first. Frederick says two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Not financial per advice. One Bitcoin by twenty thirty. So open your lungs now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, <clears throat> Rooster, are you sure he didn't say wonky stonks? I could oh, be that, wrong, but that I comes think that's with it. That's the thing with Bitcoin comes everything. If- yeah, he said he said Bitcoin to two hundred fifty k by twenty thirty. What he was leading into is stonks to a million by twenty thirty where the stonks inevitably flipped the market cap of Bitcoin. You know, flipping the market cap of Bitcoin sounds pretty dang impossible, Rooster. Now, flipping the price of a Bitcoin, you know, like that, that's something. Yeah, not with that fucking attitude, Extreme. That's something that's extreme, but that's not something that's crazy, right? You know, like, Flipping a trillion dollar market cap, I'll tell you guys right now, the stocks will never hit a $500 billion market cap. If you're in this for a $500 billion market cap project, you know, I floor it and get the fuck out. 
that you got to you, you got to get out. <laughs> you know, you've got the wrong expectations. I don't know if an NFT project next cycle will crack above a one hundred billion dollar market cap. That sounds like maybe the high end of what an NFT project next market cycle at the very peak could potentially get to. Like, yeah, and you just caused lumber to jeet a hundred off a cliff. <laughs> lumber lumber's expected that you know jeep for two two bill right off the top and you know I, i'm just level setting here you know maybe maybe 200 million not two billion <laughs> um yeah like i heard that rooster i'm in uh, los angeles right now it's like it's loud where i was just at uh but um, I love to hear Frederick speak, and I love those eyes on his punk too. Yeah, it, it, they've been there. I haven't changed my funk. It actually got um, I got fished for my funk. I had to buy it back. I bought it for point oh eight ETH, and then I bought it back for a for um, a half of ETH because I liked it so much. Um, it was my first NFT, and. Um, I want more funks. I just haven't. Uh, it's probably a good time to buy some funks, but I just, uh, you know. Would you take ten thousand dollars to sell your PFP right now? No. Twenty thousand dollars. No, it, it probably do probably probably a hundred k. I'd probably sell it for a hundred k. So you are your funk, and your funk is you, is what you're. Pretty doing. much, I'm not the pudgy guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not my pudgy. My that, pudgy. Dude, that's what I'm hearing coming out of your mouth. Is no, you're the no, pudgy no, no, guy I think, because... no. You, everybody has their one, there or one or two NFT. Like I bought it to for my the face of my you know kind of social, just so I could be faceless at least, and and I like the fact that it's you know. You know, I've never seen Joey and Frederick in the same space together. So, hey, oh, he's Frederick, there. I have a quick question. What's up? Oh, hey, hey, Frederick. Uh, where do you think? And this is—I I don't know. I mean, where do you think we the bottom for Bitcoin is in this cycle? Oh, I feel like that's uh, if I say it, it jinxes it. But I thought we we might have seen it at sixteen k. I mean, that was uh, Kaleo. That was right back when you came back around, right? Um, what when it when is that? When it was around six sixteen k. Yeah, when I first came. No, I, no, no. I, like I when you came, came back and started becoming bullish again. Now I've been yeah, following yeah, yeah, you yeah. for a while. That's why I bought the ledger, the the, the wonky stock, just for because uh, you know I liked you. But you kind of went silent and came back around. It seemed like around that same time. Oh, I, I wasn't silent. I was around, um, but I was bearish all the way down, like you know, from about forty-five k down to you know around that sixteen, sixteen to twenty k area. And a lot of people forget about that. That there was that stretch where I was bearish throughout that entire leg down, yeah. and yeah, you know. So I mean, since then. I have leaned more bullish than bearish, but honestly, it's been more of a it's been more of a neutral type mindset. And I think the only issue is the issue that I have as far as I, I'm a lot louder whenever, even if I'm just expecting a short term bullish move, 
you know, I'm I'm way louder with my tweets. Yeah, and maybe than I, when I maybe I said <laughs> so. It wrong. I think that it's a lot. Yeah, I was just saying. Yeah, that no, this no, is no. I pay less attention when you're bearish because I'm I'm a exactly exactly <laughs> like people people associate me with bullish Kaleo, which I completely understand. You know, it's part of my persona, and you know, I it is what it is. Like it's part of it, and I'm I'm fine with that. You know, at the end of the day, I think this space is way more bullish than it is bearish anyway. Otherwise, why would any of us be here, right? If we didn't believe in the upside that crypto has the offer, then I think that, you know, you're an idiot for being plugged in in the first place. Yeah. There's a question for the audience. What do you think comes first from Kaleo? In all caps, $30,000 for one Bitcoin or $20,000 for one Bitcoin? Put it down in that little bubble in the bottom corner. Let's see what you think. I actually am curious to see what people think at this point. So the question is 20 or 30 first, which one comes first? Yeah. In all caps. I I only tweeted out on the tens. I straight up, you know, yeeted that off CMS holdings and, but they did it every thousand dollars back in the day. So I wanted to distinguish myself by doing it every 10 because I thought every 10 was kind of cool. Right. But yeah, now they uh, like that's basically all they ever tweet. <laughs> they only do it every 10, too. I think I standardized it to every 10. I got to tell you guys, I mean, I really think that we haven't even seen. I just think that the economy is so bad and I see us going below 10, 10K. Damn, Lumber. Okay, well, you know, at least if you've got that mindset, you're ready for the worst. Um, I don't see that. I don't see that low. Uh, Could we revisit 20? Sure. Why not? Like, F it. You know, like, could we revisit sub $1,000 ETH? Maybe. You know, like, I'm not walking away. It's one of those things. If we get down there, you know, that just (laughs) ape. (laughs) <laughs> that's it ape with what you have left but you know the real survival right now like the big thing to preach here again is don't do anything way too risky until realistically march of next year you know right before the having and even then don't like leverage the house right because if you look at the having historically it doesn't immediately just result in this green dildo all the way to the heavens, right? Like it is something that usually takes a gradual amount of time to climb higher with some volatility, like July of 2016, for instance, perfect example. You know, I think within a week or two of the happening, there was this massive sell-off. Um, and when I say massive, it was like a hundred, 200 bucks. I'd have to look at the chart, but in my mind, you know, I'm, I forget what event happened. I'm not sure if that was the Silk Road crackdown that happened right after that. Um, but either way, there was some type of black swan event that just crashed the market. I'm going to look this up as I'm talking here because I want to be able to prove my point better. Um, so, okay, let's see this. So yeah, somewhere in July, like it was, I think the happening was around the 14th of July, early July, right? And there was a climb up leading to it. So, you know, in January, March, May, finally, you got a little break higher in May. 
Um, and it moved from 450 all the way up to 810. So that's a massive move for back then. And it kind of stabilized out at around 650. Well, after that, dude, you saw a crash from 650 down to 450 like a week or two later. So point being, you know, that was an example where then it just kind of stalled out in those prices for a few months and took a few months to begin that ascent all the way up to the 20K area where we ended up seeing later in uh, 2017. Um, you know, even even May of last, uh, the last one, May of 2020, right? Like the price actually dipped immediately after. We saw a nice little spike up there. And then the price ended up dipping from 10K back down to 8,200. And then, you know, ended up chopping around those levels for the next, shoot, what was it? May to you know, the end of July. So for the next couple of months, at least, you know, one, two, three months, actually. And then slowly began the grind higher, really didn't even start until the end of the year. So realistically, all I'm saying is now's the time to be stacking. And the real trend, if history holds, is going to start in March, April, May of next year. Right. Everything up until then is just noise or it's about like stacking high conviction bets and not getting shaken out. On the uh, contrary to Kaleo's statement, if we do see Bitcoin at 10 or below, um, absolutely leverage the house. Absolutely. <laughs> I better not. If you are here right now in the depth of the bear. Right. If Bitcoin gets down to 10K, I better not see a single person owning any type of house that is in this room and I'll, I'll take that with me to the grave yo maybe i should say literally don't like leverage the because <laughs> now's not the the time to be stacking anything on leverage saying that price can't go below x right before it goes back to y that's more so what i'm saying right we could dip down to whatever the price is and I'm still confident that like Frederick said, let's just say, hey, Bitcoin goes to 100K next cycle, right? Which I think is a really conservative target for a high end price. Say that it goes to 100K from here. That's a 4X, you know, should be pretty solid returns over the next several years. But that doesn't mean that we can't dip down to like 18K first, right? You know, do I think the odds are in that, like, we don't go sub-20? I, I, like, I still lean that we don't. But that doesn't mean that we can't. So, you know, point being, situationally, something could pop up before then. Right now, it's just the downside is – there is downside potential, but the upside potential is so much more that it's just not worth setting yourself up to where, you know – any type of a dip will shake you out. No, I agree. Um, 110%, man. Um, but one thing we haven't talked about that we were supposed to circle back to from last base um, is the pandas. Yeah, that's true. Um, they finally did mint out. Love to see it. Which, I, you know, fully confident that they were going to from the beginning there's no way that they wouldn't from there and you've you're still rocking that alien bro again probably your biggest win of the year if i'm not mistaken i mean that's that was massive yeah i mean probably 
Yeah. Like biggest single trade uh, or like, I, I don't even know if, I mean, I guess you could call it a trade cause I did sell it and get it back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it probably is. I had a couple, I had a really good, I had a week that definitely like two X this trade um, back in like Pepe times. Uh, so that was a, that was a really good week. But as so far as yeah, single, um, you know, single one token or one coin. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, no, I'm uh, still love the pandas. We'll never fade bags. Definitely not not a person you can fade. Uh, did you watch the mints at all and you know see what was happening during it, or you kind of just was on the side what do you mean by just to watch it and see what like what what specifically so it, it was you know it didn't mint out quickly right obviously um you know you had 250 locked away for whitelist right and then 750 um that started at 180 something soul and dropped down to um 82 which there i think there is 25 pandas minted over the floor price i mean someone minted it as soon as it went live someone paid fucking 190 soul or whatever for um a panda immediately which i thought was kind of odd but you know sure um but yeah it was definitely the most of the volume was right when mint started and then the last morning right like the, the last eight hours people just started ripping um pandas and i never i never had any doubt that they would mint out and i I knew it's a tall order he just completed you know the single largest or the highest price mint ever in the history of solana which i feel like bags definitely deserves flowers for that um especially in a time like this right i saw people right before mint started complaining that you know they thought it was the og mint price for like four hundred dollars for mint are you crazy and I was like, little does he know, it's like $2,000 to mint. But, you know, sure, if $400 might be overpriced for you, sure. But yeah, so you, you saw most of the volume in the beginning. Uh, not too much volume there in the middle two days. And then like 250 get ripped in the last eight hours. And um, yeah, congrats to Bags. We did see some people cheating off some ETH pandas to uh you know mints right so i think panda floor ended up getting down to mid 0.7 right like 0.75 when it was sitting at 1.15 before the mint um and then within 20 minutes after mint out i think we were on spaces and um people started sweeping pandas swept them all the way back to like 1.2 immediately after mint so i think a lot of people were you know sidelined you know, potentially wanting to participate, but didn't want to gamble on a mint that they weren't sure would be completed. Um, and then, you know, adding a supply to any project is always going to, you know, hurt a little bit, especially in terms of price, right? And But now supply overhang's gone. So I think that created um, some bullish thesis for some people as well and picked up a couple pandas. But yeah, I, I think they executed the mint better than anybody else could in this market and yeah still rock with the pandas love the pandas yeah pandas obviously are a project that i'm incredibly bullish on as well 
Um, so, yeah, you know, like impressive execution in the middle of the bear market. That's simple. You know, what's funny, too, is um, so it was one night. It's like the day or two before the final day. It was like two o'clock in the morning. You know, I get on spaces. I see bags on a space with um, Frank. I think it was a leap space. He was on a space with like Frank and Machi. And, you know, kind of Frank and Machi were going at it. You could tell Frank's demeanor all changed, too, because this was right after, you know, a couple people put up some bid walls and, um, you know, consumed Machi's dump. So Frank was acting like all smug and everything. And then Bags called him out on it. He's like, you over there? He's like, nah, you no longer have to beg Machi to please don't dump the D-Gods. Like, please, I'll do it. Oh, it was funny. But apparently he struck a chord with some, like, Solana OG um and you know no one's ever interacted with this dude he comes in. i know who he is he, he's an old ftx guy. yeah he comes in and rips he's 60 old pandas ends up pulling two of the 101s they were minted one in at one panda in between two of the 101s so yeah this <laughs> he he heard that ba- apparently he got bullish on bags at like two o'clock in the morning his time off a bottle of um class a azul and it's like you know what this is this is a guy i want to bet on right here let me <laughs> let me rip 60 pandas that's amazing man yeah no I, i've known berg since back during the the ftx days he was there as their biz dev head and i he got out at the right time to be honest <laughs> like he got out because of some uh creative differences it, i don't think it was necessary uh, anyway like he, he's he's a good dude. He wasn't tied up in into any of the BS, <laughs> or if he was, I don't know about it. Who knows, mate? It was fucking hilarious. So we're on spaces when the one when one of the one ones gets revealed, right? He hops up on the space with us, and he's like, he's like, oh, cool. And like ten of his pandas haven't revealed yet. Ten of the other ones, and so we're waiting like twenty minutes. And then we find out he mints, he had minted a second of the one ones And so everybody's like super hyped for this dude. And he's like, oh, that's. Has he sold off either? I'm sorry? Has he sold off either? No. No. Yeah, no. I'm pretty sure. I think they're pretty locked up. He he seemed completely unfazed by, you know, pulling $120,000 in two JPEGs. Um, He was like, oh, cool. I'm going to go to bed now. And like we were all like, dude, what the fuck? Like, you know, that that that's the kind of level I aspire to be at one day, you know. I'll just ripped hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go to sleep. I'll uh you know, I'll have a morning celebratory coffee when I wake up about it. Fuck no, nah, I would have been out in the club uh <laughs> that night if I pulled two one one. Bro, those early FTX guys made a lot of money. Like, it's that simple. Like, I even after the crash, the majority of them still have a decent amount. You know, I, it's just it's that simple. So, yeah. And then the last one of one was minted by some nineteen-year-old uh, kid in his mom's basement. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. So, so expect that one to go up for sale. Is what you're telling me. People were trying to buy it off of them on space. They're like bags. Was like, I'll give you twenty three ETH for it right now, or twenty five ETH for it. And then he was like, I was like, I mean that that's a low IQ play to sell anything, especially anything of value, especially a panda one of one 
right now in this market. I was like, that is the lowest EV play I've ever seen in my life. I was like, don't do that to this kid. I told him, I was like, if, if anything, if you want to compartmentalize, you know, your NFT, I would trade it, hit up a whale and be like, give me 25 pandas and I'll give you, you know, we'll trade for the one one That would be the only trade I would do would be, you know, just spreading it out into a little bit more equity. So you can, you know, if you need $2,000 for books or something, right, you can sell one panda rather than having to offload the whole, you know, the whole piece of the one-on-one. Yeah, there's See, darks of the, the water coming up back during, offloaded. That was basically the offer I brought up back during the beginning of the year when I listed my, uh, you know, one-of-one one honorary was that I was like, okay, like if this sells, I'll just sweep the pandas plus whatever else, right, where it was a basically a trade for exactly what you're saying, you know, where if you get out, then that is the type of thing that I think you really look for in that type of a situation. But the only, here's the only thing I'd say from the kid's perspective that you'd have to think about as a potential plus EV for the immediate liquidation, right? It would be some people's argument for, you know, well, I could make so much more if I won the lottery and I get paid out over time versus, you know, just taking the upfront check. That's kind of what a decent comparison is, right? Um, In a sense, like that's almost what I would compare it to. It's like, okay, you, you either take the upfront check at an extreme discount or you get paid out over time, like multiples higher, but it takes a little bit longer to be able to extract that value. Yeah, I, okay, yeah. I mean, I can definitely see the comparison there. Um, my biggest argument for him, though, is to, like, why the fuck would you liquidate it right now? I was like, e even if you were like pissed broke, right? Like the kid was saying, he was like, yeah, I was selling every position of my, you know, all the coins that I had to, you know, mint one panda. Right. And Babs was like, fucking sell the thing. He's like, I'll buy it from you right now. Because it was the fighter that he minted. Right. And that was Bag's favorite one of one. Um, and I was like, bro, I mean, if, if you were pissed broke before minting the one of one, like just imagine you never minted it then. Right. Like that, that, that doesn't really change anything. Um, you're pissed broke before. Pretend you're pissed broke now. Stay in your mom's basement. Stack whatever you need to stack and wait until there's actually you know, liquidity and momentum in the market to offload anything. Because, yeah, if you got people, you know, jumping at you right away to sell it for $30,000 or whatnot, like, don't fucking take that. Or $50,000, whatever it was. Well, that's the tough thing with a one-of-one one, is that a lot of the times, if you mint something and there is some hype around it, at the very beginning, it's not a bad idea to sell it. But like, because you might be able to buy back on the dip, something that was similar after the hype dies off um, from the initial whatever. But like the difference here is with a one of one, the average person that collects those, they don't just give them up easily, right? Like the average person that collects a one of one has diamond hands to be able to sit there and, you know, they're confident in their decision. They like the art. They like the project. And they're willing to sit through whatever types of dips. It doesn't part from their hands very easily majority of the time. So it's that much more difficult. If you ever want to have that type of opportunity again, 
you know, it, it's not something that'll typically, you know, after you sell it, the guy's like, oh, I made a mistake. I'm just going to list this for half the price now. It doesn't happen. Yeah, no. And, you know, if it were a different project, I would probably liquidate immediately as well. Like the, the, the major difference for me is, is that you minted a one of one panda, right? If I minted a one of one dick, butt, yeah, that shit's going on the market immediately. Ideally, I want that gone out of my wallet within an hour. Right. Just like I did with the Trump one of one. I meant to that shit. I immediately cheated that shit off a cliff, off a cliff, because I knew there was no staying power. Now, on the contrary, with pandas and bags. Yeah. Very, very, very low negative EV play. Like, you know, I, yeah, I'm not cheating a one of one panda when the floor price is, you know, hovering around one ETH right now and literally the NFT Pico bottom, like the Pico bottom. Um, so congrats to kid. I, I hope he, uh, I hope he doesn't let the sharks take it from him. I hope he doesn't sell it. If anything, you know, trade up, you know, hit up a whale, be like, I got this one on one. Give me, you know, cause they, there's whales who minted a hundred pandas for, you know, 400 bucks a pop right back in the day. Cause when the first mint was going on, um, once they released all the metadata, you were actually able to snipe on chain. You can kind of see what was coming next. So people back then were loading like 50 clips, 60 clips, um, firing off to try and get, uh, you know, one-on-ones that they could actually see. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think what else is happening in the market right now. You know, like it'll be interesting to see whether or not um, the friend tech meta actually continues strongly this week. I will also like, here's my theory on it, right? It, it's been basically all the big people that kind of joined this past week, shoulder points today. <laughs> and that you've got basically one more week of that hype cycle left. And then realistically probably dies out for about six months and picks back up right around the time the points are supposed to convert into some actual like token. Whenever there's an announcement about the point conversion to a token, there's probably an uptick again, but it's probably pretty dead until then. But I just thought it was so funny going on the global feed last night and just seeing everybody publicly trading these, these only fans and fake only fans accounts. And they're like, that's all that was on the global feed account, man. As soon as they put up the addition of pictures, it was the funniest thing. Uh, yeah. And I knew this was good. I knew this was going to happen. But it was funny how quick, like, the immediate J turn from Alpha, right, quote unquote, Alpha groups to OnlyFans simp channels. I mean, like, on a dime that shit turned and i yeah i honestly it's been absolutely fucking hilarious i've i haven't dealt with friend tech and uh since last friday so pr pretty much a week after the points drop and you know i had that blow off top i was like okay this is where yeah tell me to dump your shares uh go for it i don't give a fuck bro <laughs> you might, I don't know if you saw the tweet I put the other day. I was like, uh, uh, brought back the old video of the the World of Warcraft kid who like tries to shove the TV remote up his butt. You remember that video? 
Um, no, I never saw that. Oh, that was like one of the OG viral videos. Um, you know, OG in my time. So it's probably like, you know, mid two thousands. Right. Um, funny ass video. I was like me when someone sells my friend tech shares for $6 <laughs> and it was just like a freak out of this kid. Um, no, but I, it, you know, I sat there and I thought about it thoroughly and I was like, okay, what's the bull thesis for this versus what's the bear thesis? And the bull thesis had like one bullet point, right? And it was pretty much um, bullish for creators only, right? The people who can actually, you know, make any type of money on trading fees um, was pretty much the bull thesis. Other than that, I, I really didn't see the point. Like there's, you know, aggregate accounts that have shares of the top 10 accounts, whatever, and you just buy their share and you get the top 10 accounts leaked, right? So you don't have to spend 20 ETH or whatever the fuck it is um, to be a part of them, right? So there, there wasn't any safeguard against, you know, the chats being leaked. The second thing was retail's in a position to get dumped on. Um, the bots infiltrated it immediately. Like, you know, the first couple by the, by Friday, holy shit, the amount of bots that were out there, like any, anybody over 10 K followers on Twitter immediately as they joined their price would pump up to like 0.1 ETH. And like, you couldn't even get a transaction to go through until about 0.1 ETH. And then, yeah, I've seen countless people like, you know, like, Oh, this person just created an account. Bye, 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 bye. And everyone gets in after the bots and then they get dumped on. Um, so for most of retail, right. Without people like willing to risk, you know, a few thousand bucks, um, to play around, they were at a severe disadvantage. Um, so I didn't see that. And the third thing was, it's like, if the alpha was shit before on a new app, it's not going to make it any better. Right. So <laughs> yeah, I, I saw people like, bro, here, here's here the NFTs. only potential upside I see outside of that was, but th this is the thing that's so subjective about it. And it's a catch 22 is the airdrop farming. I did see people that had super low floor prices. Like I did, I, I saw a dude with 0.01 E for his floor price. He had a 6,000 point airdrop, which means that the airdrop from the airdrop perspective, it's completely possible from whatever way they calculate it to be able to still farm a lot of points without having like a big creator account. But the thing is, none of the public data for how to do that is released. So from the upside perspective, it's like, well, if you kind of figure out how to crack the code, then you could do a calculation and say, okay, whatever fees that I'm spending during some of these trades, like I am earning X amount more with the airdrop, but then from the downside perspective, you know, like you could be completely wrong and waste the fees. So I think that there is a potential upside for maybe tinkering around and trying to figure out what that is, because as soon as they release what the points farming mechanisms are, and they say, hey, here's how it's actually kind of calculated, it'll be botted to hell, right? So I think it's more bullish that they haven't released it rather than they have because it puts a little bit more of a gaming kind of crack the code aspect into it. I mean, sure. 
But like, if you look at it, uh, you know, as any type of realist, you know, one, there's no value assigned to it, right? That like you, you, nobody has any fucking idea what any one of these points is gonna like. Each point could be equivalent to one Pepe coin, right? And you pretty much farm like thirteen cents the entire time. <laughs> You've cheated, you know, two ETH and fees off a cliff, right? And then you know, realistically, mat the max amount that they would set aside for airdrop. I mean, the absolute max would be the total allocation of fees from everybody, right? And so best case scenario, you get your trading fees back is, is what I'm thinking. You're like, you know, the people, it, we, we don't know how they're calculated, but it, I'm thinking best case scenario, you're getting your trading fees back as probably the medium ground. And then the top outliers, you know, end up profiting with not being the ones that are trading too much. Um, so call it a zero-sum game then, Rooster. Call it a zero-sum game, right? At the end of the day, if it's a zero-sum game, it all goes back to, you know, and it's tough. It's like if you think you can find an edge. And if you can't, I think that you're right. Like, I think what is going to happen from here, I'm not disagreeing with you, is that after this next, like, people are going to share their points one more time today. And I think you see one more resurgence. Because there were so many big accounts that waited to join it until this week. And what happened, what got them to join it? It was everybody sharing their points last week. So I think you get one more influx potentially with everybody flexing it today. But then after that, I really don't see what the next tier up is in the short term until they give more of an outline of exactly what you're saying. With saying, hey, like here's what points are actually going to be worth. Here's when they're going to translate into some type of a token here's our structure like until they outline anything like that i agree like the interest is going to die off and everything's going to go quiet on there for a bit you know it's one of those things that provides like a brief bit of hype at the mean or in the very beginning dies off for a long time and only really gains traction again if they execute the other side of it well so i think it's you know like the, what I've said toward it is I think anybody for putting 20 or 30 bucks in there to bridge over and potentially get whatever, you know, I think honestly probably worth it just to learn about the bridging side of it and to be able to potentially put your name in the cap because who knows what they will be worth. So I like that. That's been my recommendation. It's like the point Oh one E dude, that's a, you know, pay the fees, do whatever, create an account and set yourself up for a potential airdrop. Like, that's simple. But past that, you know, I agree with you. You don't need to just completely jeet into it if you don't feel like you have an edge. Yeah, absolutely. Point of one ETH, absolutely worth, worth the risk, right? Obviously, if you can afford it. But I assume if you're still here um, at this time, you can afford it. Um, 100% agree with that. My thing about the points, though, and, like, the influx of users... It's like, it's not even a happening. It's like a quartering, right? With, you know, wasn't there like a 4X in users um, pretty much from when people announced how many points they got? And they're dropping the same amount of points every week. So that's going to be that many points divided by four times more people, right? And then it's going to be divided even further um, after today once they announce again and there's another influx of users. So the farming is going to end up more and more obsolete, especially, you know, if the tokens aren't worth above 
you know, Blur Token, <laughs> let's say, right? People even given up on farming Blur Token, and they know exactly um, <laughs> what the Blur Token is worth. Dude, uh, so, Blur, I think, shot has shot themselves in the foot. By the way, they've done everything too. They they got greedy. Oh yeah, but Blur, and, and I said this like, shit. Um, Quite a few months ago, Blur could have been the saviors of the the NFT market if they played their cards right. But oh my god, did they do like the the stupidest shit? Like the the way they could have, especially with how much hype you know double points got or you know triple points got. You got any? You got people to do anything to get double points, right? You got people loaning out their nfts you got people putting up fucking ten thousand eth worth of bid walls on shit um you know just to farm these these points right but yeah no they absolutely fucking shot themselves in the foot and they they killed OpenSea. but not only you know did they kill OpenSea, is they made themselves obsolete now now OpenSea's is trying to come back in a revival the worst way possible by bypassing all creator royalties like yeah, it, it, the yeah the NFT marketplace um, market right now is honestly horrendous, um, and the, there there is I think there's space for another one at this point. Before six months ago, I wouldn't have said so. I would have said Blur has market dominant dominance and they're going to keep it for you know indefinite amount of time as it is. But now I, I think the floor is open again for another marketplace. Hey guys, I'm back. Yo, welcome back, man. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you might see start to see more NFTs like do their own kind of marketplace. It just seems like the, the tech is too easy to just duplicate. Yeah. I mean, you are seeing that. Uh, apes are doing it now. Um, and they're, they set themselves to go live uh, the day OpenSea um, updates to pretty much no royalties. I can definitely see a lot of your major, um, yep. definitely your major players do that. I don't know about the smaller projects that are already here. That'll probably take too much of what little funds they have um, to, you know, get everything organized for themselves. So I, I think you'll probably see majority of projects still but it's also tough for a smaller project rooster you have to think about this where if you create a market you have to be able like part of the advantage of some of those major exchanges is the fact that there are all these projects aggregated together so you do get more eyes and more potential volume more potential whatever toward it so that's one of the disadvantages of setting up your own market is if you try to, you know, do a project and make it exclusively toward that, well, you put yourself on an island. Yeah, and it's like selling on Amazon versus opening your own Etsy shop, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I agree. I, I had, I, I'm glad I didn't have any funds on FPX, but I, I was intrigued by how well they were rolling out the NFT, their, you know, the, the ability to, cross chain at least what they were trying to do cross chain all the different soul projects and eth but glad i didn't 
end up buying into. Uh, How many stonks are stuck on FTX right now? Do we remember that number, Kaleo? I don't remember the exact number, but I think it's somewhere around like 100 or so. And we still have no idea what's going to happen with those. I've been in contact with them on whatever, and I have no idea. Like, there are realistically two things that they're going to do, right? It's either A, they say, hey, these are treated differently because, you know, the hassle of trying to go through, you know, liquid, like actually three things. One, they lose track of them because you've got like 60-year-old men who have no idea what they're doing with crypto that lose track of the assets that are on the wallets and they don't do anything with it. Two, one day, because of that, they just yeet them all into some type of bids, and they do that with all the projects they have, and they just say, hey, actually, like, F you guys, we're going to just consolidate this to the overall party, you know, and give this back, or not give this back, but, like, consolidate the equity from this back toward the overall, you know, liquidation of everything to... Um, you know, standardized equity across, across all creditors or three, they say, Hey, these are different. We're going to return these based on whatever function toward it. They haven't released anything toward that yet. So like, we're still waiting as far as any type of word from what they're going to do. And they're impossible to deal with on that. So yeah. Speaking about waiting on any type of word, do we have any type of word on the stonk in the FTX arena yet? <laughs> oh, bro. It's <laughs> coming. They promised me. Uh, oh, those were the days. Oh, good old FTX, man. Just think about what yeah. could have been. What, what they had in front of them that they gave up. It's still crazy. I remember the good old days of btc.e dash e btc-e.com for the for the uh did you ever trade on that Galeo? <laughs> no, I did not. That was like way back in 2011 or 12. It got shut down and I think the guy um he spun it back up. It was like some Russian um exchange btc-e Wait, you're telling some of you may know popular cryptocurrency exchange got shut down and somehow others spun up after it and beat Yeah, it was it was nuts. Die. Yeah, so it was nuts. You basically oh. what they he it was essentially they he had a you know respun up his servers and they only they offered you and it seemed like a scam, but you know, you knew exactly what was in your account when you relogged in it allowed you to withdraw half your money and and i like basically you could you could trust it on the new site it would it's almost like you want that to happen with ftx you know you want them to spin up another site so you can take your money out real quick but that's what they did way back in the day and um you know i got half my money but it was better than none it's just the same russian dude who made bits lotto and dumped the market for this puny little <laughs> Probably. Y'all remember that a few like a few months or a year ago or whenever the RIP Bitslotto. No, that was the SCC that shut down Bitslotto for which I don't even think that Bitslotto rugged anybody, Rooster. I think Bitslotto was purely shut down for operating as 
you know, an unregistered securities exchange and they were money laundering and you looked at like what the DOJ seized and it was 12K in assets or something. <laughs> yeah, they had like, in, a, in what they were doing like 20,000. The SEC, whatever, DOJ, SEC, whatever the heck it was. Yeah, point being, it was the most ridiculous headline in the world. Nuke the market, what, was it like 5, 10% that day? Uh, that was so fucking funny. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, if you it's, want to look it up, you can. It's it's on Wikipedia. BTC dash E. Uh, it's it's you know it was around 2011 to 2015. But FTX, you know, that's a sad, sad story. I hate that. I had a friend who I finally got him to buy into some crypto, and right when it was you know probably in the 50s or something, he was like, "Oh man, yeah, I finally got some crypto. I got FTX." He's like, you should download FTX. Gave me his referral. I downloaded it, but I never put any money in there. Luckily. But I know you had some Kaleo. Bro, that's yeah, we, we don't we don't bring that up on wonky spaces. Oh sorry. That's taboo. R.I.P. R.I.P. Maybe it's uh I'll get it. moved on. I didn't know. New day, new new dawn. Best today, better tomorrow. Amen. All right, y'all. Um, well, I love you guys, and it's been a fun week. Um, we'll be back next week for more Bear Market Action. Frederick, thanks for joining, man. Definitely feel free to hop back on stage anytime. Love to have you. Um, you know, love to I, I like one of my favorite things is hosting these and having the occasional people like you pop up where it's like, yeah, you know, I've held stonks for X amount of time. And I always just hang out in the background and putting a name to a face to a holder is really cool. So thanks again for coming up. Yeah, man. Anytime. Thanks, guys. All right, y'all. Take it easy. Wonky stonks are inevitable. And we'll see you next week for week 80. Later, everybody. When I'll be in Denver. Oh, sick. Yo, oh, man, I, uh, used to live there. I used to live there. Low high. Love it. I'm out here right now. Also, Clay, I, uh, real quick, I pinned that uh, the video in the tweet I was talking about up at the top. It's a, let, me, let me know if you remember this video. <laughs> I'll check it out, man. All right, later, everybody. Have a great weekend. Later. All right, guys.